When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Great to have your company. Thanks to Mardo and also Shep. Uh, of course, the Hayes and Mardo show. Paul Hayes will be having this week off and Brad Shep are doing an outstanding job. And again, uh, we wish uh, Mardo all the best with the new arrival. There's only days away. Well, it's a big night tonight at Wimbledon, isn't it? And very shortly we'll speak uh, to our man who's going to certainly dissect everything when it comes to the uh, big quarterfinals featuring Nick Kyrgios and Isla Tomlanovic. So Australia is going to be very well represented. Interesting, actually, that the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, went out to Wimbledon and got fans' opinions on Nick Kyrgios ahead of this quarterfinal tonight. Have a listen to this. I think he's great for the game, but there's a bit of gamesmanship in it. I think he can be a bit better behaved, but he's really great on court to watch. I think he should be fined or he should be banned. I think sometimes he goes a bit too far in terms of uh, his interactions with his crowd, sometimes with his language and uh, his actions, yeah. What kind of example, as a role model to these young kids, performing like that? Get over yourself. Either play the game. If you want to go and show, go to the West End. He's great for the game. He brings so many people in, so many so many different people that otherwise wouldn't maybe be in tennis. Just watch a single match with him. He gets the whole crowd involved. Everyone loves him. I think he needs therapy. I think his tennis is great, but he needs to focus. He needs to decide whether he likes tennis or not. And if he likes it, he needs to be committed. Gets the crowd going. I like to watch that sort of stuff, but that's just my style, I guess. Outburst, acting like a child, that's, that's, that's not good for anyone. That's promoting bad behavior. Well, there you go. Nick Kyrgios, uh, as he continues to divide, and there's a cross-section of fans there at Wimbledon, and that was put together by the BBC. Of course, he's got to overcome the gun forehand of Christian Garin in the uh, firebrand Australians uh, to advance to the final four at Wimbledon. Uh, the Australian tennis icon, that is Wally Masur, believes Kyrgios will defeat the Chilean in four sets in their quarterfinal clash tonight. But he considers the underdog a real bull. Uh, Kyrgios has been stealing himself for his round of eight encounter in the more concealed areas of the All England Club after news broke, as we know, last night of the former world number 13 being charged with assaulting his ex-girlfriend. So more of that to play out. But at the moment, his focus, no doubt, is on this quarterfinal. As I said, Brett Phillips is going to join us a bit later on uh, to put it all into perspective. And the other thing is, a lot of people, as I said, are casting their opinion, even uh, inside the West Coast Eagles. Andrew Gaff has got his opinion on Nick Kyrgios. I am, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love him to put his whole effort, you know, 100% effort for every point. Uh, like Leighton, you know, like Leighton did uh, back in the day. But um, geez, it's exciting. And when you can't argue with, you know, the, the stadiums that, that pack out to mm. um, to watch him play, he's, he's a massive entertainer. And um, yeah, as I said, on his day, he's 
he's almost as good as anyone. That's Andrew Gaff, the West Coast Eagles midfield. In fact, tomorrow we will celebrate 20 years to the day. And he mentioned Leighton Hewitt there when Leighton Hewitt won Wimbledon 20 years ago. And could it be another historical week for Australian tennis at the All England uh, Tennis Club? We'll have to wait and see with Nick Kyrgios. And tonight's match gets underway around about a quarter past nine. The other big news is, and it caught a few people by surprise, uh, it's now finals or bust for the Gold Coast uh, coach, Stuart Jupe, who today was given a further two years to lead the Suns to a top eight berth for the first time in the club's history. And the coach promised the best is yet to come after the Suns confirmed their longest serving coach, would now be in charge until at least 2024. And Drew will, at the very least, expect in that time for the Suns to make their maiden finals appearance. This is what he said at the press conference when he was announced as a contract that goes on now for another two years until 2024. Oh, it's a great day, obviously. Um, I'm pretty proud to, to coach this footy club. And we've been on a bit of a journey. I think we're, we're right in the middle of it. Um, so... You know, I think there's there's plenty to come and lots of hard work, but I think the foundations we've laid and obviously um, lots of good people around me and, and I think we've got fantastic people at this footy club and I clearly wouldn't be sitting here today without the people that do hard work and, and dedication, so um, I'm wrapped. It's obviously been a year where a bit of speculation, lots of pressure on yourself. How, how have you been able to deal with, with all of that? Uh, I guess it's everyone's just played their role. I think, um, you know, sat down with... With Tony and Mark at the start of the year, and they they sort of said, "Well, what do you what do you need um, to get the job done this year?" And I said, "Well, you know, just just let's just stay calm, um, look at you know what we're doing and how we're going about it, um, and really, they've given us freedom to do our jobs. I think that's that's been the best thing. I think internally we've been rock solid and and really consistent with our messaging, and and that's allowed myself and and everyone else to just do what we need to do to get get where we want to go." You mentioned the people around you, the staff we've got at the club, the players. How have they helped you this year get the most out of yourself as a coach? Uh, well, they've just been the best they can be. It's It sounds simple, but, um, you know, the players have given everything. We can't ask for any more. Um, you know, they've they've never given up in every game. Um, you know, and we've we've shown some really good signs that a consistent brand is, is on the table for us. And then hopefully the fans and our members can see that, that when they come to the footy, they now know what they can expect. Um, but, you know, I think that's just been a, a highlight for me, the, the commitment from everyone and, and staying focused on the back of, you know, external noise. Um, but like I said before, internal, we've been pretty rock solid and, and that plays a key part. You look at the football this year and the improvement's obvious. There's a lot more consistency with the playing group. Is that something that's been a big focus over the, the preseason and for this season? Yeah, and I think the the work this year coming out is is on the back of two or three years. Um you know, the COVID times were tough and certainly hub life was difficult for some teams. And I think that we always found a positive out of it. And I think that was, we were able to grow connection and synergy through those times. And, um, you know, even going back to our, the first time, a lot of people that were in my first year, we had 10 weeks away. Um, so we learned a fair bit from, from those environments. And I think we used that to the best of our ability and, and got on with it. So there you go. Uh, Stuart Jew, congratulations. Uh, it certainly caught a few people by surprise in charge of the Gold Coast Suns until at least 2024. 
the big question is now, where does that leave Alistair Clarkson? You wouldn't think he's going to GWS. He certainly is not going to the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, he won't be going to North Melbourne. All of a sudden, is he just buying his time to see what happens with Tasmania in relation to Alistair Clarkson? The other big story, and in fact, it was interesting that Colin Young, the respected player manager, came into the studio here at SENWA and was uh, sitting here in this studio with Brad Shepherd, who he managed during uh, Shep's football career with the West Coast Eagles, and Damian Martin. And last night was also interesting because on Nine News here in Perth, Rory Lobb was given permission by the Fremantle Football Club to appear live on Nine News and interviewed by former Fremantle captain, in Matthew Pavlich. And naturally, Pav asked him about where he sits going forward contractually. There are lots of rumours of your desire to potentially be traded. Where are you at with your playing future? Yeah, well, obviously, I served that year on my contract. Um, I don't like to talk about, you know, uh, up-and-coming years. Uh, I, I usually just focus on what's happening during the year. And, and right now, it's playing really good footy um, and trying to make finals and, and finish as high as we can to give ourselves the best chance of winning, winning a premiership. But long-term, you think your future is at Freo? Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, there's a few things that, um, you know, we've been working through. And, um, yeah, I've been re- really enjoying my footy this year. Um, you know, injury-free so far, touch wood. But, yeah, obviously, need to see what happens at the end of the year. But right now, it's just focusing on finals. Yeah, interesting times regarding Rory Lobb. And we'll feature a bit of Colin Young because he has posed the question about Rory Lobb and Griffin Logue, two of his pupils that he looks after, he manages... For Corporate Sports Australia, Colin Young. And if you missed it with uh, the run home this afternoon with Brad Shepherd and Damian Martin, I'll feature a bit of that later on in the program. Uh, James from Canning Vale has got on the Tempera Bedshed text line. Hi, Peter. For a long time, I thought he wasn't too bad. We're talking about Stuart Jew here. But I think now his antics... Oh, this is about Nick Curio. Sorry. Uh, hi, Peter. For a long time, I thought he wasn't too bad. But now... His antics have gone too far. Talking about Nick Kyrgios, that's James from Canning Vale. Of course, you can get involved with the Tempera Bedshed text line any time that you see fit. 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line. You can give us a call. Love to have a chat to you. 13 12 55. You can sell your car to Scarborough Toyota there in Osmond Park. They buy all makes and models. I'll tell you what's really exciting for all the locals at Wimbledon is that uh, Cam Norrie, who is an Englishman, is through also to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon. The first time that he has achieved that. As we go to the break, uh, get a load of reception he got when he was victorious last night, which earned him a spot in the final eight on the men's draw. Then after the break, we'll speak to Brett Phillips. Well done to Cam Norrie. The crowd continue to roar your name, Cam Norrie. So I'll just ask them, just for a minute... Just to allow you to tell us, how was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, speechless. speechless. I, can't, I can't even talk, so... I'm, so happy to get through with such a great team and uh, such great family and, and friends here. So, just 
Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, great to have you company. Thanks for joining us. Anytime uh, you can uh, give us a text on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or uh, give us a tinkle uh, 131255 on the Scarborough Toyota open line. Well, 9.30 tonight, Nick Kyrgios will be on court. A lot of talk uh, regarding uh, his presence at Wimbledon. I tell you one thing for sure. It'll command a lot of interest, a lot of eyes on the television coverage tonight to see whether Nick can maybe get through to the semi-finals and a possible matchup with Rafael Nadal. And that'll be significant. And of course, wins that and he's into the final. And as we celebrate tomorrow, Brett, I found out, Brett Phillips, uh, it's 20 years tomorrow to the day that Leighton Hewitt won Wimbledon and became the men's singles champion at the All England Club. Could it be 20 years on, another Australian? Good evening to you. Yeah, good evening, uh, Pete. Look, uh, anything's possible. Uh, from this stage of the tournament, if you've got this far, uh, anything can happen. And, uh, yeah, Leighton, along with all the, the great champions, have been at Wimbledon this year, celebrating 100 years of centre court. They were all wheeled out a couple of days ago, and... Um, that's one thing on your resume that no one can ever uh, take away. And, and I suppose we've always debated, haven't we? It's nine, ten years since Nick Kyrgios has been on the tour. We've always thought he's absolutely capable of winning a Wimbledon title. That maybe, just maybe, the planets are going to align a little more here. Um, I'm, I'm reluctant to go any further than tonight because, you know, we've got to see what frame of mind Nick comes with. There's, yes, the developments in the last 24 hours with uh, the off-court situation with the former girlfriend, which will be dealt with when he gets back to Australia. Uh, will it have any impact here? Really hard question to answer. Uh, I think once uh, in London's woken now and he'll be uh, heading to the courts uh, pretty soon and he's got his uh, tight-knit team around him and we'll just see what frame of mind he brings and physically how he looks. Obviously a couple of issues with the shoulder in the last match, but if he's on tonight, uh, mentally, physically, I mean, he should beat a guy like Christian Garin, but you know, it's whether any outside forces come into play with a Nick match, which so often do. But, um, yeah, as you, as you rightly say, I mean, it is uh, it is compelling viewing, um, even though I probably agree with, you know, Pat Cash. I know it's been a bit scathing of Nick, but, you know, more often than not, I'm probably a bit like Pat. I've left more matches over the years, more disappointed than entertained. So, you know, hopefully tonight... Um, we just see Nick give a great account of himself, whatever happens, and that, uh, you know, the focus is just on the tennis. Yeah, and uh, all I say about the off-court issue, the timing is interesting, but we'll move on. Saying that, let's look yeah. at the women's quarterfinal, and mm-hmm. uh, Isla Tomlanovic has been just outstanding. She takes on Rybakina yeah. tonight. That match is before the Nick Kyrgios match. It's an 8 o'clock Western Standard Time. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. And it was quite an emotive Isla. Of course, her mum was there to see her play. She felt that was very special. And I must admit, I was oblivious to the relationship that she had with Chris Everett. Yeah, look, it's it's a fascinating journey, isn't it? Because, you know, born in Croatia and she's got a lot of family over in the US. I know when I went to the US Open a few times, but you go out and watch your outside uh, court matches and she'd have a lot of family there a lot of people uh, supporting her in the crowd and um, and then you know there was uh, the link uh, to, to Chris Everett when she was a young girl uh, 
you know, she was invited to uh, go and train at her academy there in Florida, and they they struck a, a good chord, and you know, she's used that as uh, largely her base when over in the US, and uh, really, you know, spends most of her time uh, in the US, uh, and it, I suppose from a a local media perspective here. We haven't probably developed, a, you know, a, a, a tight sort of connection with Isla uh, because, you know, like all the Australian tennis players, they're hardly here mm. apart from a, a brief period of the year. But any time you've dealt with her on the road, uh, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I'm very proud to be an Australian citizen. And we saw her make her Fed Cup debut, of course, uh, in that final um, over in Perth a couple of years ago. And, Look, we've always known she's had the capability. She's frustrated me more than anything because I, I know she can be better. Uh, she's lost those matches in the past that you know she's had in the cusp of her hand because her her level is you know certainly top thirty level. Unfortunately, she doesn't get the rankings points here, but I think she's got the confidence now that hey, I've just made back to back quarterfinals at Wimbledon. You know, this is where I belong. This is where I need to step up and play. And you know, I thought the way she absorbed, uh, you know, Cornet in the last round, it got off to a flyer and Elise is emotional. She brings a lot of energy to the court. And Isla sort of went with her and she was assertive in that second set. Uh, Roy Buckner tonight's going to throw a lot at her. You know, big, tall, strapping girl, hits the ball extremely hard, good angles, long levers, takes big swings, not much subtly there. So, yeah, Isla's going to have to absorb a lot, get into some rallies and then go to work. I mean, her backhand is world-class, her mental state's pretty good. What an opportunity tonight mm. to make her first Grand Slam semi-final. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And no doubt she'll take on the Kazakh, who's the 17th seed. It won't be easy. Simona Halep's an interesting one. She's making some good progress. Took out uh, Paula Baldosa of Spain uh, mm. in the previous round. And, of course, Simona Halep, who won there on the grass in 2019. Uh, and she, at this stage, is looming as a, a serious threat to take uh, her second Wimbledon. I agree, Pete. You know, she's the most accomplished of the field uh, left and two-time Grand Slam winners got to world number one. Many people thought that was not even achievable for Simona going back many, many years ago. She knuckled down, obviously had the great relationship with Darren Cale as coach, uh, has a, a bit of a dip, uh, then gets married and then she's sort of coming back as, um, if we can call, you know, well, I suppose 30 in tennis, we can sort of put into that elder uh, stage person category because they start so young. And now she's acquired Patrick Moritoglu, Serena Williams' coach for a decade plus. And already in, in the short time they've been together, you can you can just see a renewed Simona Halep who wants more. I think she's going to be one that won't play necessarily deep into her 30s. She has hinted that um, you know she may play into her early 30s. She wants to have children and start a family. So I think she's going to try and really make the most of this little window. And she's a great competitor. Uh, but she absolutely dismantled Bardosa a couple of days ago. And, you know, today, Anna Samova, huge fan. I've got no doubt in my mind Pete will win a major uh, mm. at some point, and maybe more. Um, tall girl presence. She's got real presence out on the tennis court, and that'll be a real slugfest. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll back in Simona just maybe with a bit more experience, but... Gee, that's going to be on. That's going to be a great match. Let's have a look at the men's draw again. I saw, as long as I could, once I saw Djokovic take the third set and the fourth set, I knew he's on his way. But uh, last yep. night he took on Yannick Sinner, the Italian, who took the first two sets. And the thing that I noticed about Novak Djokovic, regardless of the scenario, he's never beaten and always believes in himself. And, of course, he's now through to another semi final. And he takes on the local favourite who actually brought the house down uh, last night, Cam Norrie. And that'll be a special occasion for the Brit against the world number one in the semis. 
Yeah, well, these guys, Djokovic, Nadal, we saw it, you know, last year in the Australian Open final. They, they just, the scoreboard is just put away. Uh, they, they just reset. They, they, it's like they're starting a whole new match, and they know they can come back from these circumstances. Uh, seventh time Djokovic had done it at Grand Slam level, and, you know, the third time in 12 months. So, I mean, as these guys are getting older, there are opportunities, um, but you've still got to get it done in best of five, and, and Djokovic just so quickly got that game on his terms, and then Sinner had the fall, what, about three games into the third set, where it looked like uh, he was in a lot of agony. It looked like mm. he wasn't going to take any further part, and he got himself up and got going, but he probably lost his mojo a bit after that. So, yeah, Djokovic clicked into gear beautifully. Uh, Cam Norrie, a great win. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. Uh, the Norrie story, uh, born in South Africa, uh, Scottish father, Welsh mother, tough going. They were working in South Africa as microbiologists. Uh, dangerous country, obviously, to live and raise children in some parts, depending where you are. The country, the family decided to move to New Zealand. He's showing a bit of promise as a junior, uh, but the Federation in New Zealand hasn't got the funding to really support him using his British heritage with his parents. He goes to the UK as all on his own as a 16-year-old, packed his bags out of an academy in GB, and here he is 10 years later getting his best results. Just worked really, really hard uh, mm. at his game, and uh, that crowd last night was unbelievable. It I mean, was. Prince William and uh, Kate there, the Duchess, uh, not quite fist-pumping, uh, Pete, but, gee, they, if, if the cameras maybe weren't on them, yeah. I reckon they might have really let loose last night. No, I did watch it, yeah, actually. It I did watch it, and uh, I played a bit of the audio, actually, before you came on, Cam Norrie. It was just uh, – it was sensational. The crowd was really going off. From a local perspective, that is causing West Australia's perspective. We were monitoring myself and my wife, Matthew Ebden, of course, together with Sam Stozer in the mixed doubles uh, last mm-hmm. night. And mm-hmm. they're through to the semifinals. They take on, uh, of course, uh, Jack Sock and Coco Golf in the semis, which would be a nice little mixed doubles match. Absolutely. Uh, well, they've been, well, they made a semi or a final of the Australian Open as a pairing. They're Sam across the journey and this is her final year of course i mean big drought when she won the women's dubs last year at the us open uh which was a which was a great sort of you know add to add to her you know the, the chapter of her career and uh, you know, she's won three mixed uh the, the last time she won the mix was 2014 at wimbledon so you know it'd be lovely to see one another huge trophy and then yeah maddie ebden tonight with max purcell in the men's doubles yeah up against uh, Johnny Pears and Philip Palaszczuk. So three Aussies on court tonight for a spot in the semis. So Ebden Purcell, uh, gee, that'd be great for them. Three five-setters they've had in this tournament. Um, they've come back from the brink a couple of times, and uh, you know, the older bro in, in Matty Ebden uh, looking after the younger Purcell, and they've, they've made a really good combination. Yeah, I think they're seated 14th in the uh, in the gentlemen's doubles as they term it at Wimbledon. Of course, Piers and uh, Polasek at number seven. So it'll be a pretty good match. All right, before we let you go, Brett, um, give us your final thoughts on the Kyrgios encounter tonight. How do you think he goes? Yeah, look, I think uh, it, it's... It's probably no more than four sets, I don't think. I don't think it's uh, um, going to go the journey of a couple of his matches uh, this tournament. But if if Nick is on tonight, I think he probably wins in straight. They might be sort of deep sets. Um, but, yeah, if Kyrgios is on, that's, that's the proviso. If everything's right, Pete, pound for pound, he beats Christian Garin. It's as simple as that. And you know what I'm thinking about also? You mentioned, of course, uh, Kate and William last night watching Cam Norrie. And mm. 
if he gets to the final, that is, we're talking about Nick Kyrgios, I reckon everybody that knows how tennis should be conducted at centre court at Wimbledon, you've been there countless times. Yeah. You've got the Royal mm. Box, the Royal Family, all the <laughs> distinguished guests, and Nick's mm. there. It'll be a nervous time for the All England Tennis Club, let me tell you. Yeah, I know. And imagine, hey, imagine if, if Nick won the whole tournament and then Isla won the whole tournament. Yeah. They always have the, Wimb- the Wimbledon ball after that, Pete, <laughs> where the winners, the winners have to get up and have a little dance. Oh, now, they right. used to go out together. That's right, they, they used did to go too. out together, of course. I don't think they parted the best of company. That'd be interesting. Is, <laughs> is Isla still going out with the Italian Berrettini or are they no, off? They're no, off, are they? No, they split up about March last year. Uh, okay. Hard to keep hard to keep up with the tennis romances. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going uh, on in uh, that space. Exactly. Alex Dibonor's going out with the the young British lass. So it's, it's all happening, yeah. romance on the court. All right, uh, Brett, thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, let's look forward to what's going to be a special night tonight for Australian tennis. Good on you. Pleasure. Good on you, Pete. Thank Good you. you. Brett Phillips joining us, our SEN tennis expert. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. And also later in the hour, uh, big news. Uh, and it's great news that Optus Stadium has been awarded the venue of the year. How incredible for WA. I'll be speaking to the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West that oversees Optus Stadium and all the other venues here in Western Australia uh, a bit later on in the next half hour. You're with Peter Vlahos. This is Drive, and we're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Very surely I'll feature a bit of the uh, interview that was conducted in studio here on the run home with uh, leading uh, AFL football manager Colin Young, who looks after Rory Lobb and also Griffin Logue. We'll play a bit of that in a moment. But firstly, uh, a huge milestone in tomorrow night's game between Melbourne and Geelong down there in Geelong. Looking at the teams firstly, Joel Selwood and Sam DeConing are in for the Cats. Out is Collar Jasny, who's injured and... uh, also omitted Narkle and Higgins, while for the Demons, the two begins, Luke Jackson and Max Gorn, who were out last week and uh, out for tomorrow night's game, are the Medi sub from last week, Adam Tomlinson, also Mitch Brown and Sam Wiedemann have been omitted. But there was a press conference today. It brought Isaac Smith and the John coach, Chris Scott, together. 250-game milestone for Isaac Smith. Of course, 210 of those games were played at Hawthorne, and he's now in his second season at the Cats. So have a listen to what they had to say. It's exciting, but I think um, more so it's exciting for your family and friends and all the coaches and football staff uh, that have gone on the journey with you and helped you. For the player, you're sort of just going out and doing what you do. Is there any secret to the way you've been able to stay in the park? Mm, playing on the wing. <laughs> no contact. Uh, no contact. Uh, no, probably oh, my three biggest things have been sleep, what you eat, uh, and a bit of flexibility. So uh, I'm pretty professional in that sense. Um, so, yeah, that's what I try and do. And um, no, no secret, just good genes, as my pop would say. <laughs> you still feeling good physically? Yeah, physically feel great. Have you given any thought beyond this season? Uh, not much. No, we'll see how it all plays out. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm, I think I'm with Isaac. We're trying to stay in the moment as much as possible. And, you know, there are some private conversations uh, that, are, that are had sort of through the middle of the year, but we're a long way away from sort of taking our focus away from what we're doing at the moment. But 
um, it's fair to say he's in pretty good shape. How have you sort of assessed his, his form and contribution, I guess, since he's crossed the Geelong? Oh, he's just... I'm sitting next to him, so he yeah. nice. <laughs> well, he... I was thinking about Isaac uh, during the week. It's a big milestone for him and uh, it shouldn't be... The fact that we've had Mitch Duncan to the week before and we have some experienced players in our club that have achieved some fantastic um, milestones and have, have had some longevity in the game, but it, it, it shouldn't um, stop us sort of focusing on um, how significant it is, um, not only for Isaac, for our, for our club. Um, he came in... Um, I don't think either of us thought at any stage throughout his career... Uh, at Hawthorne that he'd end up playing for Geelong. That just would have seemed sort of so, um, you know, far away from a possibility um, as you could get in the AFL. But uh, he he trusted us uh, to, to come in um, and have us look after him and, and help him prosper towards, you know, the latter part of his career. And he's just put a smile on everyone's face. You know, he's, he makes me laugh. He makes us all laugh. You know, most of the time it's at my expense, um, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, and, yeah, he, he, like other players that have come into our club, um, have, have helped us evolve, and that's something we're trying to embrace. We don't want to be sort of stuck in sort of who we have been. We want to be focusing on who we can be in the future, and he's just been a really big part of that. Yeah, uh, nice touch, actually. I thought Chris uh, Scott spoke really well about Isaac Smith, who, and they seem very comfortable, don't they, uh, the player and the coach? Isaac Smith, who plays his 250th AFL game, his 40th uh, for the Cats, played 210 for Hawthorne and certainly has been a great player. As I mentioned, here's just a bit, I think it's worth replaying. Uh, Colin Young, special guest in the run-home studio with Brad Shepherd and Damian Martin a bit earlier this afternoon. And no doubt the obvious questions were asked regarding the future of Rory Lobb. And I suppose even more interesting, Griffin Logue, who he both manages, that is the AFL pair. It's just a snippet of what Colin had to say. This time last year, uh, Andrew and I weren't going to have any trades through trade period. And um, I'd done a lot of work. And with COVID, again, it stopped a lot of trades happening. But we didn't think uh, anything was going to happen. And on the Tuesday morning, second day of trade period, we got the call from GWS saying, look, we'll just let you know we've rang Rory's, uh, rang the Fremantle Footy Club, spoke to David Walls, and we really would like to get Rory Lobb back to GWS. Um, we've, we've bumped into him during the year at the airports, and he has got friends and family where, you know, so we're going to entertain that. Can you give him a call? So that's basically how the trade happened. Mm-hmm. So wasn't much sell for any only one pushing him out the door. Um, he has got a very you know good relationship with all the Frio boys, and he has got a good relationship with the club and the coaches. So that wasn't an issue. But he did also have uh, an you know, an inkling of what he, he'd like to do down the track, and that was to go back and play with GWS at the time. He's got family and friends on the east coast. Um, his partner's got family over there as well. So it's sort of if there was a deal to be done, and Fremantle could help Fremantle with their list, then we'd, we'd entertain it. So basically, um, we haven't, since then day, I haven't spoken to the coaches or anything like that. Rory's having a great year after the trade period finished. He met with both Justin and Peter, had that chat about this that didn't happen, why it didn't happen, what they expected from him this year. And he's come out and delivered, um, you know, they played him out of the square on the weekend, which is fantastic, which mm-hmm. is a really good spot for him. And they actually looked for him. So he played pretty well. Um, so I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth, but I just want to read something <laughs> off here, which someone sent me through. Now, basically, this was uh, on the on the TV television last night, and um, so basically, this is what Roy said. So this is not Colin Young. This is Roy Lobb. Uh, so Roy said, obviously, I still have that year of my on my contract. 
uh, when asked about his football future on Tuesday night. I don't like to talk about up and coming years. I usually just focus on what's happening throughout the year. And right now it's playing really good footy and trying to make finals and finishing as high as we can to give ourselves the best chance of winning a premiership. Um, asked if he saw his long-term future at the Dockers. Love said, we'll have to have to see. Uh, there's a few things we are been working through. I've been really enjoying my time at the Dockers this year. Um, I'm injury-free. Uh, we'll need to see what happens at the end of the year. So that's basically from Rory Love, not Colin Young. So he's um, had a discussion with the club at the end of the trade period, and they'll have those discussions at the end of the year. I'm not quite sure. I'm not on the ins, you know, obviously not on the inner sanctum at Fremantle. There's hype about um, and good hype about Jackson from Melbourne coming back to Fremantle. So I don't know where and what they're doing, which is, and I shouldn't do, but you've got Sean Darcy, you've got Roy Lobb, you've mm-hmm. got Jackson, you've got Tracy, you've got Tabernay, and you've got a good young kid called Amos. Yeah. So they've got plenty of forwards. So let's, we'll just wait till the end of the season. Hopefully Fremantle can go high into there and, you know, Justin's done a fantastic job and if they can pinch a cup, magnificent. But I know Rory and all the other boys we represent down there are pretty keen to, to play finals this year and win finals and go as far as they can. So why is Rory Lobb's name always getting brought up this time of year? Now, I, know, I know last year you, you outlined the reasons why. This year as well, he's, still, he's playing great footy, still got a year, year to go on his contract. Why can't the public, the media, just leave Rory Lobb, Rory Lobb alone and let him do his thing, which is playing good footy? Because, like you are saying, is it, just, is it just because of speculation that Jackson is gettable? And you name those players... Uh, before in the Fremantle say so if Jackson's available and Fremantle went out and secured the likes of Jackson, how, how does Jackson fit in that football side with Lobb there as well? Because they're, they're two very similar players. You've got Darcy's number one ruck and you've got Jackson there and Lobb there. I'm just reading in between the lines. If Freo are, are, are really bullish about getting Jackson, they can't all fit into that football side. So is, is this where all that speculation is coming from? Because both WA sides are being quite public about the pursuits of Luke Jackson. Because he is a generational yeah. talent. So is this why the hype round, oh, if Jackson comes, Lobb is the obvious, the obvious one out because like for like. Possibly. Jackson's a super talent. And you've also, I forgot Meek. Meek's having a fantastic year. And I watched him have pre, watched him play some preseason games this year and Meek was magnificent. So they have an abundance of forwards and they have an abundance of backs. So they're in a pretty good position. But I think his name pops up. And sometimes the media, they put two and two together and they get four and sometimes they get seven. So at the moment, like if you read some of the articles going on in Melbourne, you know, Griffin Logue was going to the Western Bulldogs. Like Griffin Logue and the Western Bulldogs never discussed that. Um, the Bulldogs have never rang me about Griffin Logue. But because there's an obvious choice that – and the media are sometimes very good at what they do. They'll analyse the list and they'll say, well, the Bulldogs are looking for a backman or so-and-so is looking for a forward rock. So the, the media have become extremely intelligent and well-versed in this area. And sometimes they get it right and sometimes they get it wrong. Um, and at the moment, you know, like I think Rory was named to a club uh, two weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to say which club it was, but it wasn't true. So at the moment, all Rory's doing right now, and he said last night, was focusing on the game, hopefully winning a premiership, and you'll have a chat to the, the club at the end of the year to see where they're at and where he's is, and that's sort of where it's. So there you go, Colin Young, uh, this afternoon on SEM. We're going to take a break and come back and also congratulate the next gentleman, Optus Stadium, uh, winning a significant uh, overseas award as far as its uh, mantle as the best stadium going around. Uh, that's coming up next here on Drive. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, let's now talk to a man that we have on once a month. He's the Chief Operating Officer at Venues West. Peter Bocop, thanks for your time. 
My pleasure, Pete. How are you going, mate? Good. Big news today. Optus Stadium uh, certainly has put oh, Perth yeah. on the sporting <laughs> map, awarded Venue of the Year at the Stadium Business Awards. That's a big feather in the cap. It's huge. This is the um, the the absolute ducks nuts top line world class awards here. We're up against um, venues from Europe, the US, Africa, and um, we came out on top, which is absolutely mind-blowing and fantastic for Western Australia. No, it's a huge effort and no doubt there'll be more said about that. Congratulations to Optus Stadium and everybody involved uh, in all areas to, to make it uh, the pick of stadia around the world. Saying that, gee, it's hosted a couple of big events recently. The State of Origin on the 26th of June. Of course, last weekend, we had the Wallabies in town taking on the English. Yeah, look, we, we normally look forward, but it's great to look back and it's also worth noting one of the key reasons that Optus won it was its ability to deliver and grow its business during such a period of uncertainty over the last 12 months. And um, I think the public of Western Australia were the beneficiary seeing so many great events. And, and Pete, what a last couple of weeks. I know we spoke about it before, but state of origin, 59,358 <laughs> people. And so many people I've spoken to have said that's possibly one of the, or the best event they've seen at Optus. It was just Mind-blowing. Great if you're a New South Wales supporter. Um, that now they take their origin to a decider in Brisbane. But again, I mean, 60,000 people screaming for their team is, is something that's so hard to beat. And then um, I love the fact that Optus is a, a, a happy hunting ground for Australia. The, the Wallabies snapped their losing streak against England. It was, um, it was a seven-year losing streak, and they broke it at Optus Stadium. So... You know, go Australia and go Australia. Yeah. No, brilliant. Of course, uh, this weekend, AFL returns to the stadium on Sunday afternoon. West Coast take on Carlton. And, of course, the following weekend, it's Fremantle against Sydney. And we're heading towards the finals, particularly from a, a Dockers perspective. Oh, look, I mean... The Dockers have been bridesmaids once or twice, um, but look, you look at the way that their team's shaping up and uh, hopefully they can get one of those top four finishes and, and bring another final back to Optus Stadium. But yeah, look, and they've got a, a pretty tough run, mate. They've got Sydney, then they've got Melbourne on the 29th of July. And I tell you what, it's going to be the hottest ticket in town. It could very well be a top of the table clash. Yeah, it was interesting last week. The Dockers did pull 41,000 fans against uh, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide didn't have a lot of fans here. So uh, the uh, Purple Army are certainly coming out. And as you mentioned, Peter, it's certainly going to be a very interesting uh, few weeks going forward. So saying that, you know, we've got Carlton and the Eagles this weekend, 16th of July the following weekend, Fremantle against Sydney. Then the weekend after that, the big international (laughs) festival of football starts and we'll occupy that weekend. Absolutely. Leeds, Crystal Palace, Man U and Aston Villa on Friday and Saturday night. I mean, you'd you'd be forgiven to be thinking you're sitting there at Wembley Stadium in London uh, to get those four teams. It's just absolutely fantastic. And look, there has been a few tickets come back on for Man U, so there's still just a handful available for the Saturday night and there's still some tickets available for Friday for Leeds versus Crystal Palace. So they can secure those, what, by going to Ticketmaster? Jump on the Ticketmaster website. Okay. Yeah. Just looking ahead uh, a bit further now to October and the spring of this year, we've got uh, Men's T20 World Cup action as well. So perhaps you can give us an early indication of what people need to do if they want to get involved with that. Yeah, look, absolutely. Again, another world-class series of events coming to Perth thanks to Optus Stadium. Um, four key dates at the moment. 
the 22nd of October, England versus Afghanistan. 25th of October, write that one down, Australia will play the Group A first qualifier. Then the 27th, we've got Pakistan playing another qualifier. And then we understand there's a double header that's going to be on the 30th of October. Um, for me, Pete, I'm looking forward to the 25th of October. I want to see Australia play at Optus Stadium and continue our winning streak. <laughs> ah, so there's plenty of activity happening at Optus, uh, and Pete's giving you a snapshot there. i tell you where I would like to have been last Sunday. I was here at Optus calling the match between Frio and Port. I wouldn't have mind being at RAC Arena to see the West Coast Fever win their inaugural premiership. Absolutely. We spoke about this a few weeks ago and where the ladies absolutely delivered. I understand, obviously, the event was sold out, 13,657. Record netball crowd in the history of Australian netball, as I understand it. Yes, it was. Unbelievable result. Yeah, unbelievable result. I was fortunate enough to be there, and I think... Out of the 13,657, there was 13,600 of the Green Army there. Yeah. Um, 57 Victorians supporting their team. Um, but what a game. And, and gee, some of our, our players, Pete, they, they just did a marvellous job. And, and champions really stand up when it counts. And that's what they did. And I'm looking at some of the stats. Um, our, our goal shooter, Janine Fowler, you know, over the season, she has shot 804 goals. Can you believe it? 804. <laughs> it's mind, the mind boggles. And, of course, she did win the uh, the MVP for the West Coast MVP. Fever. They had their presentation the night after. So they recovered very well. Uh, Pete, uh, it was a great event. And congratulations, uh, RAC was really turning it on uh, last uh, Sunday. And HBF Park will be turning it on. Even though it's next year, people need to start thinking. It's about 12 months away, July and August, the FIFA Women's World Cup, but with Sam Kerr leading the Matildas. Yeah, look, absolutely. It is 12 months away, but it's big for us. The construction has started there, Pete. We're, mm-hmm. we're redraft, redoing the venue, putting in new change rooms, new LED screens, uh, uh, signage around the pitch. We've got a brand new pitch going in, a whole new lighting system going in. About a $35 million upgrade is well underway. And then th- this event is the third biggest event in the world. It's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And for Perth to pick up four games at HBF Park is going to be wonderful. So you really want to pop that in your diary for about 12 months' time. So it's a bit of a construction site at the moment, HBF Park, is it? Yeah, it is. Look, we're going to be um, out of action till probably about January next year. Um, but again, all wonderful improvements. And the, what I love is they're not only benefiting football, but um, they're there to stay. We're going to have a legacy benefit from this tournament. So when the Western Force come back there, when we get the NRL games, club games back there, hopefully the Rabbitohs and the Roosters and so forth, they're all going to benefit from these wonderful upgrades. Yes, of course, the Perth Glory as well, who have had their home ground there for a number of years. Pete, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's certainly exciting times. And boy, oh boy, again, congratulations on uh, Optus Stadium being awarded the venue of the year. That is uh, a special, special endorsement indeed. Thanks for your time, mate, and we'll talk to you again soon. And thanks for all, all your support, Pete. We really appreciate it. And more world-class events to come to Perth. Yeah, look forward to it. And, of course, some concerts have been uh, penciled in for Optus Stadium as well. We'll talk to Pete about that closer to time. Well, that's basically the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, tomorrow, we have got Melbourne taking on Geelong. Uh, but there will be drive with Pete of Lajos. Kim Hagdon will be coming in. We've got some interesting news. You need to tune in tomorrow regarding Luke Jackson and what Melbourne Football Club have done to find out more on where their star youngster is at. We've got the details tomorrow. We will release them tomorrow. So make sure you tune in from 5 o'clock. 
Thanks to Bray. Thanks to Jimmy. That has been the Wednesday edition of Drive. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. Look forward to your company from 5 o'clock tomorrow. Have a great night.